0: Chad hey Jason We've got a great crowd today handsome crowd. <laughs> what are we what what are we talking about today Chad?
1: Today we're talking about good old faithful Zapier, the best known no code tool in the industry and it's gonna be fun to run through why we use it, why we like it and some hidden gems.
0: Let's Zapier
1: I'm Jason. I'm Chad. Remember your first time? There's just something magical about it.
0: It threw an error for an hour, but you kept at it, and it worked, you did it. It may not have been impressive, and you may still be a little embarrassed about it, but for most of us, Zapier was that first special someone. So join me and Clammy Hands Davis to talk Zapier on Automation Town.
1: So when anyone gets started in this automation or no code space, they tend to start in a few places. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was Zapier. Same,
0: I think that was the gateway drug for me.
1: What got me excited about Zapier wasn't that I knew everything about it or I even knew what was possible.
0: The big hook for me, and I think something that Zapier does really well in terms of accessibility and helping new people is as soon as you get to that page, they're like, blam, here's what we do, like 3000 plus apps or something like that. Here's all sorts of weird and wacky ways you can plug them into each other. And quite possibly the most genius no-code marketing I've ever seen is they give you two fields. And they say, plop an app that you use into the first field and a different app that you use into the second field. And we'll show you all of the ways that you can connect those two tools. And that was the thing for me that like blew my mind and got me to explore it more. That like, that was why I signed up.
1: Do you also remember the first time when you... Typed in an app name and it wasn't there. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts so bad. (laughs) But they've been growing up. They're just one of those companies that really, as they get bigger, they get better. Yep. Isn't always the case with tech tools. It's so cool to be around a company that cares so much.
0: Yeah. And that's why it's a great starter tool in my mind is when you're building your very first thing, like, It's got to be as easy as possible. So even if those integrations aren't super deep, which we'll probably talk more about a little later, if there's a knock on Zapier, it's that the integrations with the tools aren't as deep as some other API connectors. When you're just getting started, you just need it to connect. Like you need it to handle kind of like the most common 80% of scenarios, because if your app isn't on the platform at all you're not going to fuss with it like that's it that's the end of the road
1: yeah i mean low friction is also as you're using it so you start off you, you plug in your two apps everything's going well but then you get back to your dashboard and they've got 40 other options for you because you've hooked up your gmail and your google sheets together and all of a sudden the world's your oyster with all these different zaps that can be possible.
0: Sure. So you start in the process of building apps, you start connecting these accounts, maybe you connect your Google account, your Dropbox account, your Slack account, Zapier has to maintain these connections for those apps to continue working, but then when you pull back out into the dashboard, it knows that you use all of those tools now and can intelligently recommend to you different ways that you can use them together, which. Honestly, like some of these things being community sourced and them having the data set to see of our other 35,000 users that have these three apps, here's how they're using them. Like that's a massive value to me to shortcut that learning process.
1: Seeing the end, whether it's, you know, update a record, create a phone call, send a text message, those actions in and of themselves are the inspiration that a lot of people use to come up with ideas on what to build.
0: So fundamentally, like taking a step back, the function of Zapier is to connect app A to app B. Is that right? Would you agree with that?
1: Say if you're first starting off, yeah, absolutely. It gets more interesting too when you add app C and app D together. But yeah, fundamentally.
0: A couple weeks back we talked about APIs. For the people who didn't fall asleep by the end of that episode, what we're seeing technically here is Zapier's function is building out integrations with each of these apps, figuring out how to talk to all of those APIs, and then giving you a super simplified interface to connect API of tool A to API of tool B. So I think this type of tool is generally referred to as a API connector because it's making it super easy for normies and non-coders and regular old people to effectively connect those APIs, but in a really simplified
1: interface. Right on the screen, drag and drop scroll, click, it's done. So what's a
0: very basic, like breakdown for me, a super basic zap, like what is the anatomy of it? What's a super simple thing that somebody could just go set up in five minutes for themselves?
1: One of the first zaps we ever set up was a way to take all of the forms that were coming in off of our website and categorize them and then do something with it. There's lots of tools that people use to do this. We have a system called Webflow, which is another no-code website builder tool. And every time a form is submitted there, we create a simple record in Airtable. That's it, two steps app. So the anatomy for that one was really easy. Under the trigger section, which is always the first element inside of his app, you choose your app and then the actual event that you want to trigger some sort of action on. In this case, chose Webflow, very easy, it was in the list. And then the trigger event, That we wanted to pick was form submission now because webflow also has e-commerce you could also do new orders or updated orders but for this one form submission was perfect Mm. and that was it you go in then you select your account you select the form that it's on and then you can test to make sure that it's connected once it's connected you can see all the data points that that api is connecting to and you can use further along inside of your zap and we're all set
0: so you're telling me the way that i currently receive notifications from our website when somebody completes the form and it's just a stupid thing I get via email. That's not the intelligent way to handle those. I'm not saying that at all.
1: (laughs) I'm saying for me personally, this is what works for me. You have a pretty sophisticated intake form on your website. Isn't it type form? It's a type
0: form, but right now it literally, it just emails me and then is reliant upon my brain to do anything further, my brain and my email stamina on any given day, which waxes and wanes. I'm trying to think of what my very first zap was. So I've got a shared Google calendar that I use with my wife. That's kind of how we manage family stuff, people have to watch the kids when the babysitter's coming over, that sort of thing. And on the other hand, I have my work calendar, which lives in Office 365. Stuff gets out of that calendar by other people, by Calendly, by myself. But when I put stuff into that Outlook calendar, I don't want to then also put it into my Gmail calendar. And oftentimes, there are things happening on my work calendar that need to block out my personal calendar so that she has transparency into that. And so my problem was, is there a way to sync events from my work calendar over to my Google calendar? And there wasn't a great way to do that. I think at the time I was also having an issue with my Apple calendar, not properly displaying what was happening in office 365. And so even I couldn't see that on my phone without going into the Outlook app. So anyways, needed to get calendar events from one calendar, over to the other. And this sent me down the rabbit hole of Zapier. I had some peers I had heard about it from who seemed to be doing some cool things, but it was one of those things where it's like, am I really going to take time out of my day to learn this new thing? i manage a team. It's one of those things where I like, ah, can't I get somebody else to do that? But this for me was a very personal problem, which I think is what motivated me as it was creating complications with planning stuff with my wife, that sort of thing. So I hop out there, and the first thing I do when I go to zapier.com is there's a search bar at the very top and you can search zapier.com for any of the 3000 plus apps that they work with. So the first thing I do is I go out there and see, can I integrate this with my Outlook calendar, or my Office 365 calendar? And so I search for that and I see that that is an app that it works with. If you scroll down the page, you can see the triggers and the actions that they support. And I see one of the triggers is new calendar event. Great. That's the first half of my zap the trigger step. Every zap starts with a trigger step. A thing happens and it kicks it off. It's not really like doing a thing. It's like, Hey, a thing happened. And then after that, you have any number of actions and that's where the doing of the actual thing happens. So in my case, the trigger was, we just added a calendar event to my office 365 calendar, but I need to add that over to my other Google Calendar. So then I look at what the possible actions are for a Google Calendar. So can I create a calendar event? I see that is an action that it supports. You hop in his app, you set up that two step Zap. The trigger is every time you have a new Outlook calendar event, I want this to fire. The action is take all the details from this previous step and create a calendar event on Google Calendar that basically matches that so that I'm seeing the same thing on both of my calendars. I think that was the gateway for me. It stemmed from an actual need for it, but man, you start poking around at all the different apps that work with it and it starts to get you thinking of other ways you could use it.
1: Could you have also created an Outlook calendar link and added it to Google and let it be? Chad, listen,
0: we don't need to go down this path. I knew this was where this was gonna end, was this is a stupid way to solve this problem. It happens so often. Yeah, but then it would have been a separate calendar. Yeah. It would have been a separate Google calendar. I'm speaking about my personal growth, what works for me. What works for you. That's right. Got to start somewhere. This was in like 1983. So a long time ago, <laughs> come a long way since
1: then. Uh, yes. I think that's the thing It's just to start and you get really curious and then spend way too much time down rabbit holes of actions. <laughs> and then you wonder like, where did the last five hours go? Some people are inspired by that and some people just pull their hair out. So you're the inspired type it's definitely a good place to start if you haven't ever put a whole bunch of effort into it before
0: i'll tell you what's wild though is in the grand scheme of things i mean that was maybe three or four years ago you get three or four years down the road and then realize you've got a hundred apps running and just think about the kind of snowballing effect of all of those things that are happening for you that you don't have to fuss with yeah like that's the Real upside of this I think is the compounding effect of learning more about this over time. Like it's not the sort of thing where you got to drop everything you do and learn a whole bunch. You just kind of got to start. And then as those problems come up, you're like, "Oh, I think I did see that you could do this or that." And then you start building on that, and before you know it, those actions that are happening behind the scenes grow more and more over time, and you're able to get back to a little more of like what you actually want to do.
1: That's a good segue into pricing. How's that a good segue into pricing? So Jason, you've got a hundred zaps running in the beginning. And that's
0: why it's a good transition because if you got a hundred zaps running, you're paying a lot of money. Got it. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Jason. So you've got a hundred zaps running. Can you do that on a free plan? No,
0: I definitely know you can't today. I, know, I think it used to be more generous than it is now,
1: but yeah. So for five zaps, you get a hundred tasks for $0.
0: Okay, so I can have five little workflows set up, up to five, Mm -hmm. and what's a task? Is it each step or is it like an entire pass through a Zap?
1: Well, it's defined differently on some areas, but holistically, you could think of each trigger and each action step as a task. One task, okay.
0: So 100 of my stupid calendar events that I shouldn't be running through Zapier, and that gets me to the end
1: of the free plan. Think about your stupid calendar thing, you probably have, if something's created, if something is modified, if something is deleted, times that by a minimum of 2 to keep things in sync. And already you're up to 6, you know, 2 every run and then depending on how many you're deleting or moving around, that could also be some more tasks.
0: Yeah, that was like day 2 of living with my first app as one got deleted and then it didn't actually delete because the zap only created new ones. I will say a lot of those have gotten smarter. There's triggers for like updates, like update or new. And it like encompasses all of those. That's a little easier to manage that now. But yeah, so anyways, you will very quickly blow through your tasks.
1: So you think about pricing. This is, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but there's there's a few elements of pricing that people pay for and that don't come with the free version. So there's money, right? How much are you spending per month? There's how many zaps can you have? And then there's what they call update time. Now, update time was my first frustration. And that's when you run a zap that isn't instant and you have to wait a certain amount of time before it will actually run. So as you're testing live data, you're sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting and waiting, and then on those 15 minute intervals, it fires and you're good. So as you spend more per month, you can reduce that update time from 15 minutes down to two minutes and even quicker down to one minute if you want to spend a whole lot of money.
0: So on the free tier, worst case scenario, I got to wait 15 minutes for that calendar event to pop on my Google calendar.
1: Now, just for context, because pricing changes over time. You think about the free plan that zero dollars, you want some more zaps, so you bump it up to 20 zaps, but you still have that 15 minute update time. You can spend between 20 and 30 dollars a month to have a lot of zaps that are running every month, maybe not a hundred, but these smaller plans start at around 750 tasks per month. Then as you get really big and you want to go unlimited, which I find most people are on if you're running a lot of stuff through, that update time goes down to two minutes, which is pretty good. You have access to all the funky other tools that Zapier has access to, like filters, formatters, custom logic, all that kind of fun stuff. And it's not cheap. You can have you know, a minimum of 2000 tasks uh, is the smallest plan when you can have the 2 minute update and today it's about 50 bucks a month if you if you pay annually 75 bucks a month if you do month to month
0: and at that point the pricing is largely set by how many tasks a month you're going to consume right
1: yeah like it, it ranges from what 49 bucks up to $4000 a month on that plan
0: okay for 2 million tasks a month a lot of calendar events yeah so riddle me this chad I think oftentimes we see software costs and like mentally benchmark that software cost against other software costs that you pay. And it's like, oh geez, you know, several hundred bucks a month or something like that, in some ways feels like a lot of money. But at the same time, when you start benchmarking that against human costs, you know, if you've got an employee contract or something like that, you'll very quickly pay a human being to do that same thing and not very much time, or I guess you'll burn through that couple hundred bucks with a human pretty quick, right?
1: I also find that you take for granted the benefits. You build this app, it works, it's been running for a few weeks, a few months, you just start thinking about what other tasks you can do as a person, not as a computer replacement. So I've always felt like app costs are fun to experiment with and I'll always pay something to try it out and see if there's a way that this can be multiplied over many people. And normally you can't because it's my fault and i am not putting enough effort into it. But in cases like Zapier, it's a pretty easy decision to make to justify 20 to 70 bucks a month when you think about it in those terms of people, hours saved, and reliability of the data if you've built it solidly enough.
0: Yeah, removing human error and all that is definitely a hallmark of change management that we always forget about the things that we no longer have to do so you set up that zap and it's kind of out of sight out of mind doing that stuff for you kind of like we touched on earlier it's not really until you come back and you double back and realize wow look at all these things that are working that you realize just how much lifting it's doing for you that a human would otherwise have to do
1: and that's a good segue into document management document management document management what is that with zapier Zapier does that don't you mean you just have 400 zaps and everybody's supposed to know what they do oh jeez. The struggle is real with that one. I remember what it was just me in the account. It was okay. I could fuss around and try to remember what I did six months ago, completely forget and screw something up. But now if we do up a zap, what we ended up doing was putting inside of our project management system, the flow, right? What's the link to the zap? What is the purpose of it? What are the related independent tasks? Who built it, <laughs> who's responsible for it? And sort of what is it related to? Now that we have all that information, it's a lot easier to figure out when something breaks what else will break because it's kind of easy to start building a zap for a specific part of something and not try to make it really long. So you end up with all these little bite sized zaps to fix a problem and you're not quite sure which one goes in the right order.
0: Yeah, and then you're 12 months down the road and you try to remember what you even made and which Zap it is, and try to think if it impacts any other Zaps. To a degree, it's like an advanced user problem. So if 99% of people aren't using Zapier yet, I would argue that 99% of Zapier users are just making these little things for themselves personally, right? But that really quickly snowballs into this list of 50 Zaps, and if you need to maintain it or something breaks, you know, like how do you go back and fix that? If you're trying to get other people to help you out with all that stuff and you've got several people in your team account, when something breaks, whose responsibility is it to fix it? Documentation becomes kind of a necessary part of the process of building a zap.
1: I almost think that if you start off with like the easiest common denominator way to help support this, it's probably creating folders and then throwing those apps in the folders. So at least you know which client or which process or which departments involved. Do you use those? Or
0: folders just, inside of Zapier.
1: Yeah, or do you just throw them all into the abyss?
0: We do have folders. I want to say you have to have a Teams level account to have folders. Shared folders, yeah. But that is the very basic level of organization that we have as we group that stuff by client or kind of internal ops. Yeah,
1: same here. I think you have to upgrade to a higher, higher paid plan to have shared folders amongst people in a team. So. We're not there yet. We do a couple, you know, 25, 30,000 tasks per month roughly, but mm-hmm. still we're not paying the big prices of like two, three, four or $500 a month for this. Yep. So Jason, let's talk about hidden gems inside of Zapier. Okay. It feels like every three or six months, Zapier sends out this big notice that something new and improved has come out and you should give it a try. Do you remember when transfers came out?
0: Yeah kind of the bulk processing thing.
1: Yeah, I think you did a video on it too, didn't you? I did, yeah.
0: Rant a new tool from the team at Zapier for bulk data processing.
1: So transfers for us, I remember we used it as soon as it came out and the timing was perfect because a customer needed to transfer a whole bunch of stuff from one system to another. And the idea behind a transfer is not that it's a Zap that runs all the time or on a schedule, but instead it takes all of the information from one point inside of an app and then moves all of that into some other place. And that's pretty handy.
0: Zapier is kind of designed to be this behind the scenes thing you don't see that just sort of runs. But what if I have a batch process of 10,000 things that I want to follow the same steps as you would set up as app for? But the fact that you can't really follow those things through in Zapier's UI, because that's not really how it's intended to work has always been a pain point. Like, do you just drop those 10,000 things in there and then cross your fingers and hope on the other side, you didn't just burn 10,000 tasks. And I think that was the idea behind transfers. It's a little more hands-on way to batch process stuff.
1: It's not open to all 3,000 apps. So they picked a few where they were able to build this all out. And there's 25 apps now that you could do this on with transferring. So things like Airtable and Eventbrite for ticketing and Excel and Facebook leads and ads and calendar events. Oh, good. <laughs> calendar events. You know, LinkedIn, MailChimp, Shopify. So transferring a whole bunch of Shopify stuff over into a database or an accounting system. Yeah. There you go. There's there's lots of ways to use that transfer system.
0: There are some detractors of Zapier and things that more power users don't like about Zapier. But I think the thing Zapier has done extremely well is recognize that they are the gateway drug and they're where people are going to start and they do that very well and kind of optimize the experience for that starter, which is great because the biggest limitation of what we talk about right now is not, are the tools good enough? It's people just don't know about it it's just getting people started like that's still 99% of what needs to happen. But Zapier has been good about building Zapier specific things to make those workflows more powerful. You generally see them as their by Zapier apps, which are sort of like first party steps to make a zap a little bit easier. So like, say you take a number out of one thing and you need it formatted a specific way to go into another thing. You have an action called, you know, formatter by Zapier, I think it is. And it'll give you different ways to format dates or numbers, that sort of thing. And they, I think more so than some of the other services have started building these little helpful additional tools to make those workflows
1: simpler and easier to build. And as soon as you start playing around, you're going to hit limitations. You're going to say, well, I only want to send calendar events that are over 30 minutes to my wife's calendar because anything else might not be that important or something. A bad example.
0: Yeah. Or only like have the, you know, the busy property, right? The free ones, maybe they don't need to go through.
1: That's right. You might have situations where you want two things to do different things or different things to happen based on the form. So say, on that contact form, you know, somebody clicks off that they're interested in corporate tax services. Well, maybe that lead goes somewhere else. Zapier has something called paths. And those paths could send things based off of data that they received and then send it down one way or the other.
0: Let's get to the part of the podcast where we talk about the things Zapier doesn't do well. And I think what like the main knocks are and paths by Zapier is an example of, I think, maybe the thing that is the greatest limiter of zapier is it was kind of built from the beginning to be this linear workflow builder where you know in the very very early days i think even the number of steps was limited it's largely a trigger an action and it goes through a single workflow and that's kind of how it's been designed from the beginning and it's really easy and that honestly that works in a very large percent of use cases but what some of the newer API connectors are doing that are admittedly more targeted for power users is like a canvas-based workflow builder that I think lends itself a little better to branching logic. So because Zapier's UI, like kind of from the beginning, has been designed in a linear way, they have, like you said, paths by Zapier, which is their version of this, but it's managed kind of via submenus as opposed to other tools like Make and What is it n8n yeah n8n parabola yeah parabola have taken more of the approach of you're kind of on a canvas building almost like a workflow diagram and so you have all these little nodes that you connect in different ways the branching logic there's a little
1: more intuitive that's what this is It's like the more you get into it the more you'll explore and see what works and what doesn't it's what drives you to other apps it's kind of the curse that every person that's selecting tools to use in their company or in their lives are burdened with it's like how deep do you really go And zapier's got a very good position in the market to be that first place that people go and as you get a little more experienced there are certain things and you mentioned you know what are some of the cons of zapier the largest con that i've held on to has always been when a zap stops or you need to make a modification to it everything turns off so if it's a heavy hitting zap that's running a few things every couple minutes and you have to go and stop it. You've got this backlog that's getting created and things aren't happening. Well, early March of 2022, Zapier put into beta the idea of something called drafts. And now those drafts will allow you to test and run and leave your main Zap live without having to turn it off. Oh, wow. So sign up through beta right now.
0: Wow, so almost like a branching, almost like a Git sort of thing where you can modify something that's working without stopping it from doing what it's doing until the moment you hit publish and that change goes live.
1: Yeah. That's some things that other tools don't have. Yeah. That's super cool. Zapier? When you think about like favorite use cases that you have with Zapier, I think of some reasons that I use them over IntegraMAT for some things. Attaching files in Zero is sometimes quite involved in other tools, but Zapier's figured it out. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I kind of really like, and and sort of one of my favorite things about Zapier is that they have their own Zap when Zaps go down. Yeah. So we have a Slack Zap that essentially just says when a Zap is turned off in Zapier, send all the details of that Zap and a link to it into our notification Slack channel, and we know about it. We don't have to monitor emails that way.
0: So you're saying inside of Zapier, there is a Zap trigger that is one of your other's apps broke? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because otherwise you're reliant upon, usually they send an email and say, hey, this thing broke, go fix it. And it kind of just makes logical sense that that's a thing that you could then build automations around, right?
1: Yep. Haven't figured out one that says one's been turned back on, but probably haven't looked hard enough either. Certain specific apps will do things
0: better in one platform than the other. And That's where i most commonly find myself bouncing between the two. So still to this day, even though Zapier is not really held out as a power user tool, the first time I'm going to build something, I usually start with Zapier. I usually try to start with the most simple platform to do that thing and only fall back to another more complicated platform if that one won't do it. And most of the time it comes down to fiddly aspects of their integration with a specific tool. So it could be a very nuanced thing. Like if I'm posting an entry to QuickBooks, if you do it in app in QuickBooks, you can attach a file, but will the integration support attaching the file in addition to doing the entry? And the last time I went down that rabbit hole, I tried to post it with Zapier, then give me an option to post an attachment. I could still put like a URL to the attachment in a memo or something like that, which kind of works. But then I hopped over to zero and they have a way to actually like submit a file attachment with that transaction too. And it's little differences in how the integration is built out with Zapier or Make or NNN or whatever that tool is, that oftentimes will dictate the right tool to use or the easiest tool to use. And that's most commonly where I find myself bouncing back and forth, I think.
1: A couple of times I've been in Integramat and it's missing an element on the endpoint. And just for fun, I'll go into Zapier and see if it can pick it up. And sometimes it can. So we have a fair chunk of Zaps, but I'd say 30% of them are existing purely because IntegraMAT can't pick up a certain data point or doesn't allow for a certain status or a certain piece. So that's where the real power comes in is just having the ability to check two or three different places to do what you want to do.
0: Yeah, so it, like in your case, you're talking about if something triggers in IntegraMAT or Make, does it give you all the data points that you actually want? Because they actually don't always give you all of those things, right? And even Zapier will give you a relatively simplified list of all the things that came back with that trigger oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it comes down to that API integration and how it was set up. And sometimes it'll have what you want, sometimes it won't.
1: There's also some examples with Zapier where it will do things with Google apps and Gmail with labels that IntegraMAT won't. And they're just not options. You have to do your own custom stuff. So yeah, it's just nice to kind of keep that together. And the more I think about it, the more you get into it, it's probably a good idea to start writing this kind of stuff down so that... Other people don't waste the same amount of time that you've wasted on figuring out what's good in what tool and what's what's good in the other.
0: Yeah, the go-to app for specific tools. Where do I go to learn more about this? Like what are the best resources you've seen?
1: I'm probably a horrible one to answer this. I'm a YouTube junkie. So I like to learn in bite-sized chunks on specific problems. So if you're that type of learner, YouTube's great. Put in a search term, add up and Zapier to it, and there's. A really good chance someone's created a nicer video than anybody else could ever create and you get an answer on how to do something.
0: That's what I do. I have a specific problem and I just start trying to solve it. Some of this stuff is hard to learn like in an abstract way, but here we are making a podcast about it. It's easier learned through the lens of, I have this very specific thing that I need to do. In all likelihood, you're not the first person who's had that same problem or pain point. I will add one other cool thing about zapier and some of the other no code tools share this is the shareability of a zap so if you make a cool zap it's literally got a share button in the corner just like i don't know picture on your phone you can share it obviously it doesn't share your account connections but it shares all the steps and how all the fields got mapped so that if you make a cool thing you can share it with your friend and they can also use the cool thing and what this enables is you've got dorks like us out there who are talking about developing this sort of stuff who can build collections of like their favorite zaps. And so you can go out and find these sets of zaps that other people have built and get some really cool inspiration from them. Because to use them, it's simply a matter of clicking the share link and you've got it there live to tinker with.
1: Zapier is also known for their world-class blog.
0: Oh my golly. Probably the best blog I've seen also unbelievable support. I don't know if you've ever done much with their email support. Best in the biz. I've sent an email about like, hey, like, seemed like this thing out of work. Couldn't get this or that thing figured out and get back like a 2000 word, like (laughs) this fully like fleshed out, way better version of my zap than I was just building. And I'm like, chill, Steve. Like I just had this one question, even includes like a link to like, hey, here's a better version of what you're trying to build. And it was like, so helpful, like, Practically a consultant on the other side of that support line, which in an age of everybody just trying to churn through like as many emails in their help desk system as they can, and like that's their metric, is so refreshing because they like they genuinely try to understand the problem and put together a super thoughtful response, which is fantastic.
1: So, what you're saying is that you can run an entire consulting business off of Zapier's help support team. I didn't say
0: that, I don't know. <laughs> Come talk automation with us on Twitter at Chad Davis and JStatsCPA, Stats CPA, J S T A A T S C P A, and C H A D D A single V I S. Automation Town is edited by Paul O'Mara.